Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and praise. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ready for the word this morning. Get ready to be fed this morning. Amen. We thank you. Thank you. Beautiful job. Hallelujah. Before we bring a speaker for this morning, I just want to read to you scripture from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, but hold on for a minute. Did not consider it robbery, but being equal with God, but made himself a no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming into the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank the Lord for the reading of his word this morning. Amen. May everyone stand this morning. Let's, let's get ready for the word. Have a privilege in um, bringing before you Elder Watkins. Amen. Amen. Let's receive him with a big old amen. We thank the Lord, thank the Lord for uh, health and st strength and breath being in my right mind this morning. I think there's others out there that probably have already thanked him for the same. Uh, I thank God for giving us this opportunity once again to be here to uh, share what the Lord has given to me in the midst of the congregation. And uh, first, I just want to give honor to God, uh, who is the head of my life. And I, uh, I find out more and more as I get older and older, that is a necessary thing. If you want to make it in this world, you need to rely upon the Lord more and more each day. And you realize how much you, real, you rely upon him each day. Uh, I would ask that the church just remember Sister Andy, who is not present today. She was not feeling this well uh, when, I, uh, when I got up from my little nap after working last night. <laughs> And uh, she uh, would love to have been here with us today. Just remember her uh, in your prayers. Let's open up with just a quick word of prayer before we get into the word this morning. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord God. Blessing us throughout this past week. Blessing us, Lord God, in the midst of all of the 
things that are going on in the world. There's so much, Lord God, that I don't even know where to begin. But Lord, you know where it began and you know where it ends, Lord God. For you are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And none of these things that have caught us by surprise have caught you by surprise, Lord God. And we thank you that you are an awesome God, Lord God, and that as we go throughout these diverse uh, trials and temptations, Lord, that we're faced with, Lord God, we know, Lord God, that it is the trying of our faith that works patience, and we must let patience have its perfect work, that we might be entire and complete and lacking nothing, Lord God, for this is your plan for these things that have come upon us, that we might learn from them, Lord God. We ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would bless each one who is here, every family that is represented, bless the, the uh, pastor, Lord God, and the first lady and his family, the leadership of this uh, this house of the Lord, Lord, we ask right now that you would touch also the congregants and all of their families as well, Lord. Bless now, Lord God, as we get into your word, touch right now this, your humble servant, that I might speak your word and speak only your word, adding nothing to it or taking anything away. These favors, these blessings we ask by Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Is God your all and your all in this world today? Not everybody can sing that song, can they? Not be truthful, right? When we sing that song, we should be able to sing it and it be true, right? If you say that Jesus is the center of your joy, you should be able to sing that song and, and have some conviction that he is the center of your joy. Otherwise... You just lying, right? Huh? Some might say, well, you know, that's a little strong word. I am. I'm just saying, if it's not true, you don't be singing it like it's true, right? If you're just mouthing some words, you know, you like to beat the tune, you know, but think about what you're singing. And if it's not true, you must ask yourself, why is it not true? Do I want it to be true? If I do want it to be true, what do I need to do according with the scripture to make it so, to make it true, right? Because there's no argument that the change has to come in you, right? You have to conform to that word you have to conform to that sentiment if you in fact want it to be true and it comes down to what it comes down to if you want to talk to jesus just simply do it right because he is not one who is not touched by our infirmities but he is one who is well acquainted with our infirmities and he is our great high priest and guess what he wants you to talk to him doesn't he he has given you time and he has given you opportunity. He has given you a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of mercy, hasn't he? And he's given us with that grace and that mercy opportunity or time, right? So that we might enjoy the grace and the mercy of God, because that's what you need in order to take full advantage of God's grace and mercy. You have to have time because it takes us time, don't it? Right. Not all of us was born into this world saved and on our way to heaven. Is that right? Not all of us was born saved, huh? sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Not all of us. And guess what? 
I wasn't. I don't know about you, but I was not. I, in fact, had something that I needed to be saved from, right? I, in fact, today have things I need to be saved from. And guess what? Tomorrow, huh? if the good Lord continues to tarry, right, I will also have some things that I need to be saved from. What does that make me? That makes me a work in progress, don't it? By God's grace and by his mercy. We don't want to give anybody the impression that Christians are perfect, do we? Right? Because that's too lofty of a goal. People can't attain to that, can they? Right? Christians are not perfect, are they? But they are being perfected day by day. They are being conformed daily to the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Is that right? And that work will not finish until the day of Jesus Christ when he returns and he finishes the job. Right? Is that right? Because he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, once we've talked to Jesus, hmm, we got to realize we just can't come anyway, right? What do we have to do? We have to come humbly before him, right? That's why we have to have this mind, which was also in Christ, right? It needs to be in you, is right? And what kind of mind did he have? He had one that was of humility, right? He didn't think of his equality with God as something to be grasped to or to be held on to, but he, what did he do? He laid that aside, didn't he, right? He didn't look at that as something that he just wanted to hold on to, but he laid it aside and became obedient in humility to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And then he was exalted, wasn't he? Wherefore he was exalted and given a name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that huh, every, tea, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Make no mistake, every knee shall bow. It's going to happen of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Make no mistake, every tongue, that means that if you have a tongue, hmm, even just a sliver of a tongue, a piece of a tongue, right? Huh? Guess what that tongue is going to do one day? It is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is not negotiable. Hmm? It is going to happen. The only thing is, will it happen of your own volition? No. Of your own free will? Or will it be by force? It's going to happen. Since it's going to happen, it would behoove me and you and all of us to do it of our own free will. Because if we do that and we walk in that, reward awaits us, and not just a temporary reward, reward what, of hay, wood, and stubble, right, but an eternal reward, right, that is like gold and silver and precious stones, right, that will never fade away, but just get better and better, right, that is perfect, and it's eternal in the heavens, not given to you by man, and guess what, man can't take it away from you, the thief, he can't break in, he can't steal it, right, right, 
the moth, as bad as they used to be, I haven't seen too many moths lately that eat up your clothes and stuff. It'll happen though, huh? Where they come in and destroy, right? The rust and corrosive effects of this sin-ridden world, right? It don't take long for the new smell of a new car to fade, does it? It don't take much time before you start getting some blemishes on that paint, right? It don't take long before you start getting some rush, rust, right? And right about the time you pay it off, that's when the engine and the transmission and the exhaust, huh? That's when that decides it wants to go kaput. And then they call you and say, you know what? We noticed that you had your vehicle paid off. You want to get into this new vehicle over here so you can be in bondage again for another five years, right? Huh? But see, that's the world, right? We're talking about an inheritance that is eternal in the heavens. But you got to humble yourself. You got to talk to Jesus, right? And you got to make him the center of your joy, right? And he has to be all and all in this world. Not to me, but to you, right? I can't bring you in, right? God don't, he don't have no nieces. He don't have no nephews. He don't have no godchildren, right? No, no grandbabies, right? All he has is sons and daughters. What does that mean? That means you have to have a first degree relationship with God yourself. He has to be your father, right? You can't come in because he's your grandpa because he don't have no grandchildren, does he? All he has is sons and daughters. Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> All right. Give heed, don't drift away. Give heed. That's our title for today. We're going to try to be brief as much as we can today and get through this message. Give heed, don't drift away. That comes from Hebrews, the second chapter, one through four, the third chapter, verses 12 through 14, and the fourth chapter, verses one to two. It's not too many verses. We will be exercising our fingertips if we are looking at our Bible on our devices. And if we have one of those old-fashioned Bibles, we will be turning some pages, but not too far. So last time we were before you, we were talking about the dangers of falling asleep behind the wheel. Many of us maybe have had that experience where we uh, have been driving, possibly, especially on some of these long road trips. You men probably can associate with this. You, it's, it's just 10 hours. It's just 12. I can drive all the way. I'm not going to ask my wife to drive for me. Hmm? And you definitely don't want to wait 10 hours of a 12-hour trip and have her finish the last two hours of the trip and you sitting over there snoring, right? And you pull up to the family gathering, to the church or wherever it is you're going, and it looked like you've been asleep the whole time and she carried you the whole way, right? You don't want that. You don't want to turn the keys over to your teenager, right? Who and had his driver's license for about two weeks, right? And he trying to get you there safely, right? Because you can't fall asleep then, can you? Right? But we don't want to have a situation in our spiritual lives where we fall asleep behind the wheel. The church, in many instances, as we said on our previous message, and I'm not just, this is not an indictment against NLCC. I'm talking about the universal church, and in particular, the church here in the United States. 
has kind of fallen asleep while some things in society have just kind of happened little by little. And it's almost as though we didn't see it coming until all of a sudden, boom, just like that. Huh? Where'd y'all come from? Well, it's been coming since they took prayer out of the schools, right? It's been coming, right? Since they made it easy for you to, you know, be free with your relationships with various people. And I'm just going to leave it there. Huh? There's no consequence to having those kind of relationships because we got a pill we can take and take care of that just like that. No problem. Hmm? What did that create? That, that created a revolution, right? Uh, what the world calls freedom is not freedom, but it's bondage, right? And then that led to the disintegration of marriage. That led to this disintegration of family, right? That led to the disintegration of society, right? Huh? And now we got generations and generations that don't even know who Jesus is. Don't believe that he is the son of God, much less that he is, the, is God, right? That he's the savior, right? They have reduced him to, in some cases, just being a good man, a philosopher. Hmm? Some even say, well, he wasn't even a historical being or figure. But he certainly wasn't God, right? You have people in the church even saying this because society has infiltrated the church rather than the church infiltrating society. Once you have fallen asleep behind the wheel, you, you tend to drift away though, don't you? Hmm? You don't just fall asleep and then drive all the way there asleep. Uh, that, that, that wheel starts to turn, right? And, and thank God we have rumble strips, right? They give us a warning. We have some warnings, don't we? In society, God has given us some warnings to let us know, church, it's time to wake up, right? I'm not talking about being woke. I'm talking about waking up. Huh? I'm talking about waking up and seeing what is going on in society around us. And that requires some discernment, doesn't it? Huh? That requires you to be able to see with a spiritual eye the things that are going on in the physical realm and then make a determination about what is the truth, right? Huh? We should not be like Dorothy and the Tin Man hmm? and like the Cowardly Lion, right? And even little Toto, right? Who's looking up at the great and po powerful Oz and just awestruck, right? And scared, right? And worried, right? Huh? And put it back, right? But we need to do like little Toto and say, hey, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. Look, look. He goes over and what does he do? He pulls back the curtain. And he said, you see this old guy here? This old man? This is what y'all are scared of. That, 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 that ain't nothing. This is who's behind the curtain. We need to pull back the curtain and see what is going on behind what we see, right? But you can't do that with a unsanctified worldly worldview. You can't. You have to have a biblical worldview, one that is governed by a biblical worldview, right? A Christian worldview, all right, that is revealed to us by the Spirit of God. You cannot discern these things unless you have the Spirit of God. 
And we don't want to be one of those people who has basically drifted away, right? After we have fallen asleep, but we want to wake up before we pass away. Because that's where we are right now. Some things are about to pass away. Your life could pass away. And just like that analogy of the car, if you are driving and you fall asleep behind the wheel, you're going to start to drift, aren't you? Start drifting. You're drifting away. And if you don't wake up in time, you may just pass away. And you may take some other people with you. We're talking about your family. huh? We're talking about other people's family. We're talking about people in society. If we don't wake up. Though this implies in the physical sense, it applies in the physical sense of driving a car, our vehicle. I mean this in a spiritual sense, okay? It can happen in the physical, but that's just to paint a picture of what can happen to us in the spiritual. And the consequences are far more devastating. Why? Because there's some eternal consequences, right? You don't get to go back and do a do-over. So believers must be careful not to fall asleep behind the wheel or drift away because the consequences are deadly in the spiritual and the physical, but more importantly in the spiritual. So how do we avoid this? I'm glad you asked. We have to pay much closer attention, don't we? And that's what Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 tells us. It says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testified with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In that verse, it gives us the progression of how God revealed his word to us, okay? It was spoken to us first by the Lord, God, God's word, right? And then confirmed to us by those who came before us who heard and heeded the word of God as he spoke it. Then it was confirmed to us by those who heard, right? Those that heard. And then God also testified with them. So the spirit bore witness with our spirit that these things were so and that they were true, right? You can tell when somebody's speaking the word of God or not, if you are a child of God and have the spirit of God within you, because God has given you the ability to discern truth from air, okay? Your spiritual hairs may stand up on the back of your, your neck, right? When you hear somebody say something, you say, ooh, that don't sound right. That ain't exactly right. I can't go with you on that one, brother, right? Hmm? No, that don't, that don't jive with what I've studied in Scripture, right? That don't line up line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh-uh, I can't go with you on that one, right? I'm not going to throw you away or discard you and treat you like some infidel, right? 
but let's reason together. Let's talk, right? Let's see if, if we can come to some understanding about what the word of God is saying. We also know that Jesus came with many signs and wonders, right? Who revealed as we studied the book of John, who he is, right? Unmistakably who he is for no one else could do these miraculous things. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit, when the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and he gave gifts to the church, right? Nine of them, right? We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. And it was all according to his will. How do we avoid this? Well, there is a series of things according to Hebrews 2 and 1 that we must do. First, you might want to write this down. We must pay much closer attention. We got to pay attention to what is going on around us. It's easy for us to have this tunnel vision. We get, I was saying this to my, my wife uh, this week, and it was like, you know what? It's like clockwork every single week, every single day at the same time. I can tell what I'm going to be doing every single day at a certain time. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing this. I even have to plan in when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to sleep, right? When I'm going to get up so I can do it all over again. And it's like there is no distinguishing from one week to the next. It gets that way sometimes. And when we do that, we get into a routine. We get into a routine and that can be dangerous. That's very dangerous. I have to mix it up sometimes just so it's not so dangerous, right? I have to say, boys, I know y'all don't want to do this right now, but we're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to spend some time together, right? Just, and we got we to gotta talk about something. We got to do this. We got to do that. Let's sit down and let's play a game. Let's do this. Let's, 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 let's do something out of the ordinary. Hmm? Every once in a while, you got to put your finger on it and, and get a pulse, right? So you can gauge, you know, not only where you are, but where the family is at, where others are. Might get on the phone and just randomly call somebody up. Say, brother, sister, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you, right? We need to do that for each other, right? And I don't mean as a to-do list where you check them off and like, I'm good, right? I don't have to call them again for another three months because I got somebody else I need to call tomorrow, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as the spirit leads you, you need to be moving in that direction, right? It should not be your calendar that's leading you but it should be the Lord that is leading you from day to day, right? Otherwise, your life becomes your agenda and not his agenda, right? Huh? Uh, your life is filled with your purposes rather than his purpose, right? He has a purpose for you. He does have an agenda for your life, and you need to line yours up with him, which means on occasion you might need to talk to him and touch base with the Lord, right, in prayer and the study of his word, right? Because he'll talk to you. But you got to want to talk to him, right? And if you want to talk to Jesus, just simply do it, right? He does care. He does want to talk to you, and he does want you 
to talk to him. So we must first pay much closer attention to what? What we've heard. That's what? What we have heard. And what have we heard? Well, before we get to that, we need to maybe ask us. I talked to one of my sons. He, he said, you know, I hate it when, and I don't do this. This is, some, this is something that was just kind of, a, you know, maybe his friend's parents do this. When they tell the kids, you know, do this and do that. And they, and they say, because I said so. He said, I don't think that's a very good answer. That's not a good answer. Hmm. They need to be able to explain, you know, why I should do that. And I had to explain to him some things. I said, the best thing for you to go ahead, go ahead and do it. And then if you want to get a follow-up and be like, Dad, I did what you wanted me to do. I did A, B, C, D, E, just like you said. But I was just curious if you had time. I know you're busy right now. If you could just, I just want to understand the wisdom behind why it is you asked me to do what I've already done. I've already done it, so there's no question there. But I just want you to just, I mean, so when, when I grow up and I'm a man and I have my own kids, I can impart your wisdom and your knowledge upon my children as you have done to me, right? Right? I said, now, if, if you come to me like that, now we don't have no problem, right? Right? But if I ask you to do something and you say, why? You know what that tells me? That tells me that you don't think whatever reason I have for doing it is good enough for you to do it. And you want to find out first whether or not what I'm asking you to do is legitimate or not, whether you agree with it or not. And then that is going to determine whether you do it or don't do it. Now he said, oh, that's a whole lot. Just in that one, yes, yes. In that little statement, that is what is contained in that statement, yes. So you have to be careful, right? Asking why, right? We haven't got to the why yet. We want to ask this first. We must pay much closer attention to what, right? And we said, what we've heard, right? Now, why? This is the question, why? So that we do not drift away, right? We need to pay much closer attention, not just close attention, but much closer, right? That means you're paying attention, but it's not quite good enough. You need to pay more attention than what you have been paying because clearly what you have been doing is not enough. You need to pay much more close attention, much closer attention to what you have heard. Why? So that you do not drift away. Drift away from what? Well, the scripture says from it. And then it comes with another question. What is it? The word of God. That's what's contained in that verse. And we need to understand the connection between that. We need to pay closer attention to what? To what we have heard. Why? So that we do not drift away. From what? From it. What is it? The word of God. Have you drifted away from the word of God? Is it? a part of your daily life? Do you consume a healthy diet, spiritual diet, based on huh, the word of God? Hmm? Do you have a little bit of the New Testament, 
a little bit of the Old Testament. You have a little bit of the Psalms and prophets, Psalms and the Proverbs. Do you have a little bit of the letters? Do you have a little bit of the Gospels? Huh? Do you have a little bit of the history books, the poetry books? Hmm? Do you have a well-balanced diet when it comes to the word of God and the things that are spiritual? If you don't, your spirit man is malnourished. Hmm? And that can be devastating, can it? And it will show in the way that you react and respond and interact with those in the world, including your family, your coworkers, acquaintances, friends, right? And in your relationship with God. The word which was and is spoken through angels is unalterable, according to this verse. Unalterable. That means you can't change it. You can try, but it is going to stand as written. God's word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. It does not change. It cannot be changed. It is fixed. It is immutable. It is binding and inescapable to everyone. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. That's the spiritual component of man, of both joint and marrow. That is the physical component of man and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is the mental aspect of man. All of you, right? And there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There's no secrets from God, is there? Hmm? You might have secrets from your family. You might have secrets from your spouse. You might have secrets from the IRS. You might have secrets from your boss, whoever it might be. You might have secrets, but there is nothing that is secret from the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And we need to make sure we understand that because the word of God is not going to be altered. It is not going to change for us. It's not. So how will we escape? How will we escape? For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let me, the short answer is there is no escape. There is no escape. I don't care who your parents are, who your grandparents are. I don't care what your last name is. I don't know how many, I don't care how many degrees you got, how many letters come after your name and how many come before. There is no escape. I don't know, I don't care what your position is on the global stage or in your own house. It does not matter. There is no escape. That should give you pause, right? Hmm? You should be a little concerned about that statement, right? Not only is God's word unalterable, it is also inescapable. If believers don't give heed, they will drift away. And we need to examine ourselves on a daily basis so that we don't drift away. There are some rumble strips in life. Has any of you uh, hit some rumble strips before in your spiritual walk where you say, you know what? The Holy Spirit is talking to me. I can't ignore it no more. Uh, he's telling me I need to get back on the road. 
right? Huh? I, 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 need, I need to wake up, right? I, I, I need to pay much closer attention, right? Because if I keep down this road that I'm on, right? If I continue to drive drowsy, which is the same as driving drunk, right? I'm going to kill myself and maybe somebody else, right? Huh? Maybe some unsuspecting person in your family, hmm? right? People that are dependent upon you, right? And I'm talking about in a spiritual sense, right? In a spiritual sense, it does not just impact your life, but it has life-altering implications for those around you as well. It says here that every transgression and disobedience has and will continue to receive a just penalty in accordance with God's word. Well, every means every, which means there is no exception, right? Every transgression and disobedience, that is sinning, right? By commission and disobedience, sinning by omission, not doing what God told you to do, right? has and will continue to receive a just penalty. We are talking about in our society today, social justice. What does justice look like? Well, if you look at different people, they might say that justice looks different to them, right? Huh? And most times we can agree that our idea of justice when it pertains to someone else is one thing, but when you do the shoe on the other foot test, the justice coming back at you for the same exact thing looks a little different, doesn't it, right? So justice is not justice, right? We hear all the time there's two justices, there's three justices, there's four justices, right? We got eight justices now. Hopefully we'll get another one soon, nine, in the Supreme Court. But again, when we start talking about justice, we better be seeking after the justice of God and not the justice of man right? Because the justice of man many times is not justice at all. It is injustice. It's injustice. But God does not get it wrong at all. Every single verdict that he has passed down has been accurate to the letter, right? Has been true and it has been just. Thing about justice is, is that it is one of those things that don't just hit the unbelievers, right? It hits believers too, doesn't it? Huh? We can't escape. We just got done saying every transgression and disobedience, right, has and will receive a just penalty, right, in accordance with God's will. What you sow, you shall reap, right? The good thing for a Christian is, is that Jesus Christ paid the price, right, for our sins. Is that right? He paid the price for our sins, and when God looks upon our lives, he does not see all of that anymore, does he, right? But he sees the blood of Jesus Christ, which has washed away our sins. Thank God for that. And it's okay if you want to clap for that today and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The answer to the question, how will we escape, is a rhetorical question because we won't. There is no escape. These verses say every transgression and disobedience will be judged. Every means every. It is imperative that believers not neglect so great a salvation because there is no escape for those who do 
such as those found in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. We're going to look at that. If you drift away, you may also fall away. Okay? For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit have, and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Once you have sat in the church, you've been born, raised in the church, you've heard the truth, you've heard God's word preached, right? Hmm? Is that right? You've been in the midst of saints, right? And you've tasted of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the congregation, in the lives of others, right? You've tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. You've had a taste of heaven on earth just from being in the midst of the saints of God. That's one of the reasons why I like to come to church. Zoom is fine, but it does not take the place of being in the midst of the congregation with other citizens of heaven. It's different, isn't it? And that gives you strength and that gives you encouragement, right? That I don't live in this little, this big giant world by myself, right? I'm not on an island, right? Every time we come to church, we get to commune with, we get to fellowship with other citizens of the kingdom, of God's eternal kingdom, right? Of heaven. But everybody that darkens the door of a church and comes in and sits down on a pew is not a member of the kingdom of God, the family of God, right? Hmm? And it is those people who have had the benefit of everything that children of God have in the congregation, in the church. You've heard the word, right? But for some reason in your mind, you say, Mm, not good enough. Just got to be more. Hmm? And what happens? You fall away. It says here that it's impossible for you to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified themselves, the son of God, and put him to an open shame. That means as long as they stay in that condition, there is nothing else that they can hope for that is going to lead them to salvation other than what they have already received right? There is no other gospel. There is no other word from heaven. There is no other savior. They're not coming. And if they have rejected that and all these other things that are mentioned, there is no other salvation for them. There is no hope for them other than God's grace, his mercy, and time, right? To come back to what it is that they had once rejected as truth, right? Because God's word is not going to change, right? The way to salvation is not going to change, right? We're not waiting for a Messiah to come. He already came. He already died. He was already buried. He already rose again. He already ascended to the Father and sits on the right hand of God, the Father in heavenly realms, and he will return. That's what we're waiting on. When he returns, it won't be the first time, huh? It'll be the second time. And he is our Messiah. This 
uh, a person can be enlightened or taste of the heavenly gift, be made a partaker of the Holy Spirit and the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fall away. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they were saved and they fell away? No, does not mean that because we have a litany of scriptures. We just quoted one today. He who hath began a good work in you shall perform it until the day. If he began a good work in you, guess what? You shall. It shall be performed until the day of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus has not lost not one out of his hand, right? Except for the son of perdition, Judas Iscariot, right? And he was chosen to that end, right? Not forced to, but chosen because Jesus looked at his heart, knew what was in his heart, and handpicked him. And he did not disappoint, did he? He did exactly what was in his heart, right? There's other scriptures. On another time, we will get into that. That's not the point of this scripture or this, this, this message. Don't drift away or you may be amongst those who fall away. They have been given to the complete and only revelation that can save them. These people have been given the complete and only revelation that is going to save them. The revelation of Christ, the only one that is going to be able to save him or save them, the one they have crucified again to themselves and put him to an open shame. Next thing we have to do is take care. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you, any one of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. What does this require? It requires self-examination. And it's fitting today on Communion Sunday that we do that, do some self-examination. We don't want to spend all our time examining other people's fruit, examining other people's little speck that they have in their eye, right? While we totally negate and neglect the two by four that is sticking out of our own eye, right? Hmm? We got to first take the two by four out of our own eye so that we can see clearly to help our brother with the little moat, the little speck, the splinter that is in his eye, right? Which means that we have to do some self-examination and not be a hypocrite. So how do believers avoid falling away from the living God? By taking care, right? Taking care of what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not to have in you an evil, unbelieving heart. Don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. And how do you know if you do or don't? You do if you fall away from the living God. 1 John 2.18 says that there's many antichrists, right? Right? That were in the world, even at that time when he wrote it. How did he know? Because those that were, right, with us at one point, they left. And what did that do? That manifested that they never were of us in the first place, right? Because if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. They would have stayed with us. Why? Because what we said before, Jesus is not only able to save, 
but he's able to keep you saved, right? What kind of a savior would he be if he saved you one day and then all of a sudden you slipped out of his hands, right? He wouldn't really be a savior, would he, right? I don't want to be almost saved. I want to be saved, right? If I go overboard, right? Huh? I don't want somebody throwing me a life raft and instead of uh, one of them, them rings or whatever, and it's not a ring, it looks like a parenthesis, right? Huh? It's a half a circle, right? As soon as I grab onto it and they pull a rope, it's just going to slip off, right? And there I am with a half of a ring out there drowning huh, in the sea. But I need a complete ring, don't I, right? With a rope on it, right? And I need to grab onto that whole salvation, right? Grab onto it, right? And then be pulled out of impending doom, pulled out of death and destruction, pulled out of the muck and the mire that I was in. Jesus is not a parenthesis, is he, right? Huh? He is a full circle, right? Everlasting, right? Without end, right? Huh? He don't have one end over here and one end over here. He is a complete circle, right? He is one who is infinite, right? He has no beginning and he has no end. And guess what else? He's secure. He's strong, right? Cannot be broken, right? And as long as you stay fixed and you grab on to his hand, he will not lose you. You cannot be lost, right? What are you supposed to do with that ring? That's not just hold on to it. You grab onto it. But what's the first next thing you do? You put it around you, right? Huh? And then you hold on as he pulls you to salvation, to safety, right? Once you wrap it around, guess what? You are kept, right? All you got to do is just, hey, you, you can go to sleep now if you wanted to. Not that you should, right? He can pull you up and you'll be asleep. Is this around your waist? Arms are down. You can't fall, right? Because he has you secured. Take care of what? Not to have in you an evil or unbelieving heart. How do you know if you do? You do if you fall away from the living God. How do we help others to avoid this? Well, it has that in there too. By encouraging one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. What does that mean? That means every day, all day, right? It's 24 hours in a day, right? Every single one of those 24-hour periods, you should have in your mind that you are going to encourage one another day after day. We need that, don't we? And God has designed it so that we are part of not just a community of faith, but a family of God. And we need each other to what? To survive. He made it that way. How do we know if we have become partakers with Christ? If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until what? The first week, two weeks, three weeks in, huh? When does it really stick? How do you know? If you hold on until the end, right? The race. Not given to the swift or the strong, the battle, not given, right? Huh? Right? But they that endure till the end shall be saved. That's what the word of God tells us. And how do we continue on with that assurance, that encouragement? And this is the last part here. Entering God's rest, that's how. That is what motivates us. That is what encourages us day by day because we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we know that this suffering that we're going through here is just for a little while. 
some of us might think, well, this has been going on for a long time. I don't know what you're talking about, a little while, right? But when you look at your life in comparison to eternity, though, uh, that's like a drop of water in the ocean. That's nothing. But you know what? For you, that's the most important drop in the whole ocean, isn't it? Because that's your drop, isn't it? That's not to discount what you've been through, the test and the trial that you've been through. But Paul, he said he don't think that the sufferings of this life are even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, right? Huh? It's not even worthy to be compared to it. And he went through a whole lot more, I believe, than any one of us, right? Because he died for the faith. And as far as I know, if you check your pulse, you're still alive and have not died for the faith, right? Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. There's a lot in that, but it tells us some things about those who have a said faith rather than a saving faith. What should we get from this? Don't come up short. Don't come up short. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we should fear if while the promise of entering his rest still remains, if we come up short of it. What does that mean? That means that the promise of, uh, of uh, entering his rest still exists as long as you are alive. As long as you are breathing, that promise still exists. But the minute you stop breathing, the minute you die, guess what? The prime promise is no longer available to you. The thing is, is that we don't know, do we? We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know how many days we have, how many opportunities God has given to us. So we need to treat each one as though it is the last one. We are to be fearless like a soldier, right? Soldiers are by nature fearless and brave people who enlist in an army and are willing to put their own lives on the line in service to their country. Believers are to see themselves as fearless, brave soldiers in the army of the Lord. That is something that's kind of difficult nowadays, isn't it? Because the tendency now is to shrink back, to keep quiet, right? Why? Because they're not just talking about you anymore. They're not just calling you square like they used to, right? They've, they've upped it a little bit now. We're talking about some serious persecution now, right? And we here in the United States for too long have said, you know what? That's over there. That's over in China. The believers over there, we pray for them. We'll send them some Bibles, right? Over in Africa. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm glad we're not over there. You want to go back to Africa today and be a Christian hmm? in the bush? with the militia running around with AK-47s and machetes. And that's not just accessories for their, you know, uniforms. They use them. And some Christians are losing their lives on a daily basis, right? Do you want to be over there? No, but we over here, though. We over here now, so we all, we all good. Guess what? If you say that long enough, it will come to your door. It'll come knocking. Right. Right. And when they knock, they don't knock and say, can we come in? 
They come with a battering ram and all of a sudden they have overtaken you. You have to be able to make a decision now before that happens, what you are going to do. Hmm? Are you going to shudder? Are you going to deny Christ just to save your life and your property, your house? Huh? Or are you going to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Huh? And not only do I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to proclaim the gospel message, right? I'm going to take the fight to you. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be one who's on the defense all the time, but I'm going to go on the offense. And I am going to, like God's word says, dispel darkness with the light of God's word. And I'm going to speak the truth, even if it costs me my life. Even if I get canceled and I lose my job. Huh? Even if the likes that I have on Facebook start to plummet. Hmm? Right? Even if Facebook decides, yeah, we can't have you on here no more. You're out of here for speaking the truth. Right? If it costs you, you have to be willing to do it. But you can't be trying to figure it out when it happens, though, can you? Right? In uh, some knee-jerk reaction, right? At the spur of the moment, you need to determine in yourself today, if you have not already, what you are going to do so there is nothing to think about. You shouldn't be sitting there, hmm, I wonder what I should do about this situation. God, he'll understand. I can come back. He does say that if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I think I'm going to go with that. I'll just come back later. No, that was a test. And guess what you just did? You failed it. You gave in to the temptation and you failed. Believers are to see themselves as fearless, brave soldiers in the army of the Lord. Believers even sing a song with great enthusiasm about this. Right. I'm an arm. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. However, some while in the midst of the battle have their minds on other things. Possibly they are fighting so they can go on leave. Right. I'm going on vacation. I'm going on leave. Right. Possibly they are fighting so they can go back home to their families. That's the only reason why I'm fighting. Possibly they are fighting so they can stay alive. All right. Now it's coming home. They should be fighting so that they can win the war, though. Right. Why are we fighting as Christians? Huh? We already know the outcome. He wins, right? There's a series of battles that take place, but the outcome of the war is that he wins. And what side are you on? You are on the winning side, aren't you? So in conclusion, just to talk about this, we know that in Matthew 13, 1 through 9, 18 uh, to 23, we have the parable of the sower, okay? That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, a large crowd gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parable saying, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky place where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. They withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yield a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. 
he who has an ear, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky place. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary. And when afflictions and persecutions arise because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of the, the wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30. I brought that up just to refresh our minds. We sometimes refer to things, but we don't appreciate how it is that the word of God, the same word, can be preached in a congregation. And all of those responses can be seen within a congregation on any given Sunday, no matter how many people are in the congregation. It don't have to be hundreds. You can have 10 people and have varying responses to the same word that went out. It does not have anything to do with a failure of the word because there is no failure in the word. It has to do with the condition of the heart of the individual whose heart that seed fell upon. And we need to be aware of what kind of heart we have, what kind of soil we have, right? And today is Communion Sunday, and because it is, this is a perfect time for self-examination. We are told to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. And that's something we need to do. If you have fallen asleep behind the wheel, been drifting away, you still have time before you pass away. You still have time. Once you go over the cliff, though, all bets are off, right? It's too late. In the day that you hear my voice, the word of God says, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation when the children of Israel provoked God, right? While they were in the wilderness. They tested him. 40 day, 40 years, they wandered around because they provoked God and did not enter into the promised land, into his rest. Those that were 20 years old and older. Today is the day of salvation. Let it be your day of salvation. And don't let this opportunity pass you by. More could be said. I think it's been said. And I believe we understand what's at stake here. We're talking about your eternal soul. And it's not for me to examine you, but it is for you to examine yourself. And on today, as we prepare ourselves to take communion. Our hope, my hope, is that you examine yourself to see where you are in the faith before you take communion. And if you're not able to take communion this communion Sunday, you know what you need to do between now and the next communion Sunday so that you can take communion then. There's a lot at stake right now. Don't drift away. Don't fall away. 
because the next step is passing away. And when you pass away, there's no more opportunities. Game over. All right. God bless.